Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. That was a drizzle, a spring drizzle of a game, I thought, Bruce. Not a lot of intensity in that one, but that's okay as long as when your own team wins, right? You just need the two points, and that's what happened. The Edmonton Oilers beat the San Jose Sharks 5-2 to uh, in a drizzle of a game which was highlighted by a lack of intensity, I thought, from both sides. But um, Edmonton was able to get the win. So we'll do our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, Bruce. What? Oh, just wait, I'll just go, I'll tell what, I'll tell, uh, we usually do this, the grade A shots. We had 20 grade A shots for the Oilers. Sounds like a lot, and they did get a lot. Um, I think 10 of them were of the five alarm uh, variety. San Jose had nine Grade A shots, and six of them uh, were five alarmers. So they really didn't mount much of a um, opposing effort against the Oilers. They were they were rather weak. Not not the San Jose Sharks that we're used to is, is what I'm going to say. Well, the one line was pretty darn good with Hurdle and and Meyer. Man, they were they were bringing the herd at times, but uh, yeah, they didn't have yeah. a whole lot of help there. I don't think. No, I mean those are the. I mean, Hurdle uh, scored the goal. Myers or one goal and an assist. Meyer got two uh, assists. Eric Carlson got a goal and assist. That was all their points. The same three guys connected on both goals. Uh, yeah, and that was their three best players, to my eye. They have some good players, but not not a lot of depth on that team at all, really. By the you know by the looks of things, not a lot of compared to the how scary that team used to be. I mean, used, they just used to cycle the Oilers to death. Yep. It was just painful to watch uh, those games, and um, but that game wasn't painful. It was just kind of boring. All right, uh, Bruce. Let's go. Um, what's your first, what is your good thing? Yeah, I'm going to single out the brand spanking new third Oilers line of uh, the Ryan Nugent Hopkins returned from injury, along with Derek Broussard acquired at the trade deadline, and Yessa Pugliarvi reassigned from the second line. And I thought all three of those guys had a terrific game and collectively dominated both the puck and the Sharks. And uh, Nugent Hopkins, he uh, somehow he didn't get a point. He was plus one, and he was in the center of the goal that was ultimately credited to Broussard by driving hard into the middle. But I liked his driving hard wherever the puck was going. I thought he was really on it and, and uh, engaged in, in the puck battles. And... Uh, in addition to his seven shots, he led the team 57% on the dot. But, you know, numbers don't tell us everything, uh, but sometimes they tell us a whole lot. I mean, here is the numbers for uh, uh, Nugent Hopkins and Full Yarby are basically dead even in all these categories. Uh, shot attempts 21 to 5, Edmonton, when they were on the ice in about 14 and a half minutes. Shots on goal 14 to 4. For Edmonton, uh, goals 1-0, scoring chances. This is Natural Statrix uh, uh, version of them. 13 to two, 
and high danger chances six to zero when Nuge and Pugliari was out there. And Broussard, he missed one of those high danger chances and all of his numbers were were, were one less in the four columns. And otherwise he was uh, uh, he was the same. There was some real chemistry there. I love Pugliari's um, uh, battles on the boards and, and uh, his his ability to win pucks where it looks like he's going to be the second guy on the puck and yet somehow the other guys can't get it past him and then the next thing you know the Oilers are cycling it again and that's a real significant skill that uh, uh, that Yessa has and I just thought that the three of them were you know they they were they were feeling it and they were tasting it and they were after it and uh, uh, more power to those guys, and uh, uh, they uh, they delivered the goods. Three shots, four hits for for Pugliarvi. and for Broussard, two shots, and the, uh, one of them was kind of a fluky bounce that went his way for the game-winning goal. How's that for a good way to make your debut with a new team but score the game winner? So hats off to all three guys. I think they they deserve almost equal credit. Some, some real nice short passing. And Broussard, man, he looked uh, uh, he looked um, uh, real good in, in sort of tight quarters, delivering passes. And I looked him up, you know, in, in Philly. I think, geez, he got 16 points in 31 games playing playing a lesser role. You know what? He had 2.22 points per 60 in Philly. So he's got a good year going on, and you can see why with uh, some of what we uh, saw out there tonight. Bruce, um uh... Again, when when these trades were made for Kulak and Broussard, I didn't know what to think about either trade because I, you know, we put a lot of weight in video review of players. I and I have increasingly over the years have become loath to uh, make any kind of real comment about a player's value unless I've done that work. That's how much value I put in, and I just I just feel like you know I'm kind of naked on Main Street telling telling people if a player is good or bad if I if I haven't done that work. I don't think right. I got any clothes on. Like you know, it's just. I'm not doing it anymore. So I didn't know what to expect. And what I fear, so that then I start to fear the worst. I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be another Kyle Turris, or this is going to be another David Deharney, who I was not, you know, who was okay-ish. But um, based on that first game, and it's just one game, so, but Broussard looked really good with the puck, really smart. Um, I understand he's had a lot of injury problems. He was kind of in and out of the lineup in Philadelphia with injury issues. So this is probably going to be the issue with him going forward. Right. But man, if, based on the one game of first, based on a first impression, mm-hmm. high level of skill that we never saw once from, like it never consistently is from Kyle Turris or from DeHarnay, or not to mention Jared Smith and or Belanger or Boyd Gordon or all the other fourth line, third line centers that the orders have picked up over the years. Mm. Um, he, he was on the wing, of course, but yep. he, he just kept making plays, Bruce. Yep. kept making plays all game long. And it's the kind of pickup that um, can really help a team. If this is for real, if this is what this player is, I mean, suddenly you got three lines that can go. I mean, Derek Ryan's also pretty good on that third line. So so, so they've got some depth there. But uh, Broussard kind of was what, honestly, he was what I was hoping Tyler Benson would be all year, mm-hmm. if I'm completely honest. Mm-hmm. moving the puck smartly and making plays uh, by passing oh. the puck. And um, we didn't see that from Benson. And he's now in the minors and mm-hmm. Broussard has his job. And based on a, that first game uh, 
deservedly so. My good thing, Bruce. Um, oh, and I just want to say that was Puliarvi and Puliarvi's best game in a long time. Yeah. And and Nugent Hopkins was brilliant. They they were both in on the. Um, they led the Oilers. They were both in on made major contributions to seven grade A shots. All of Puliarvi's at even strength. Wow. So he really played well. That was and that was good to see. He was getting a little bit of criticism. I understand, like a little bit of hot, a little bit on the hot seat, if I'm not mistaken. A little bit to a lot, depending on which uh, quarters of social media you attend. Well, there's always a faction, eh? Who's, a, yeah. who's attacking yeah. this player or that player? It's you can always find some a group of people who hate any Oilers player, probably even Connor McDavid. Like, um, they're probably I I actually know some people who critic who think the Oilers should trade McDavid and are, are down on him. So every single Oilers player has his detractors. Mm-hmm. My good thing, Bruce. There wasn't a whole heck of a lot to get you uh, the spine tingling in that game, but Edmonton's fourth goal in the power play, that was awesome. (laughs) That was such a great goal. Mm -hmm. And it starts off, you know, they're they're kind of winning the puck along the boards, passing up. Uh, around up and down you know between Barry and other players at the top and it goes finally goes to Nugent Hopkins on the left half wall and he makes just a very nice quick deft little pass down to Hyman at the side of the net um and and it just made me think how much they've missed Nugent making that pass yep. so and then Hyman makes even a better pass yep, right he he, he one-ups he then one-ups Nugent by finding uh he makes the low high pass as I like to call it um to mcdavid uh at in the on the right half wall mm-hmm. um you know it's hard to find that player by the side of the net. there's a lot going on down there and things are happening fast and hyman picks him out makes that pass and then mcdavid one-ups hyman by making an even better pass yet whipping it right uh through some traffic you know the, the you know the horizontal dart to to dry settle as he's cruising into the slot bam in the net and the finish was brilliant as well, like to, to get that puck and put it right in there, right off. Everything was fantastic about that goal. It was remarkable and it was great to see. Yeah, the speed that they that, that they got rid of the pass is like Hyman. The secret to Hyman's success there wasn't just the pass that he made, but how quickly he got it. Like the puck went to him down low. The, the, play, the players see him as a threat briefly and right away he, he, he bunts it out. Uh, from you know near the blue paint out to McDavid on the half wall. Well now they're scrambling, and when McDavid passes into back into the middle, they are dead. Like the end zone replay will show you on that. I love this. Leon takes McDavid's pass and he shoots it right along the ice, right into the geometric center of the net, which is completely <laughs> wide open, six to four, six by four, and he just just put it right in the center, and there was no chance of anybody that was going to stop it because they. They beat them with passing, and the finishing shot it was basically the slam dunk. You know, just put it in the middle of the net because you got the whole thing to shoot at. <laughs> and uh, Leon did not miss, but uh, that was uh, that was some super passing. And puck went through Barry a couple times at the point, and you know he's so crafty back there. And I I'm, I appreciate Barry so uh, some of his decision making when he's got the puck along the line of. of which way to turn it? You know, he's like the point guard. He's not often guys going to let fly with the three pointers, but he sure, you know, the play is going to go through him back there. And that play went through him twice before uh, 
and just 15 seconds for the whole thing. And all five guys touched the puck, and uh, uh, some of them touched it a couple of times each. He is a good power play quarterback. I, like I know I've advocated in the past, recently, last game, for Bouchard to uh, to be the quarterback of the power play. It's a luxury to have two two players who can do that job, frankly. And and I do think Bouchard will be is a better power play quarterback than Barry. That said, Barry is very good. I mean, he didn't lead the league in points for defensemen last year because he's a terrible offensive hockey player. He can really move the puck. He, Bruce, he, he was, I thought the Oilers' best defenseman in that game. He didn't, he kept a clean sheet, not one mistake um, on a grade A shot at even strength. Um, and um, he's been playing well. He's, he's, he's had a better season than last season, I think, for the Oilers. He's been a more consistent player. And he's trended up all year long, actually, um, getting better and better. Now, part of that is because he's moved down and he's in the third pairing. So he's, he's facing less difficult competition. So players tend to start to look better and their numbers on grade A shots and stuff tend to improve a bit with when they face lesser competition and go vi- vice versa when they start to face tougher competition. That said, he's doing very well and um, is a valuable player for the Edmonton Oilers, which is really good because it may be that the Oilers are going to have to trade Tyson Berry this summer in order to make some cap space. So it's good if he has real value and uh, c- can maybe even bring in a decent player in return. So, um, it's in in that way. It's also good that he's on the power play. You know, if you put it, let's put on our GM hats for a second. And who do you want to get the points? Who uh, get the money? Well, he's already getting paid. He's got. He's already getting paid, and he's got. He's the one they want to have trade value. So you don't necessarily want Evan Bouchard putting up the points, and you know, getting a bigger contract. And you want Barry to do it to make him more tradable. So Bouchard was good tonight, but Barry Bouchard was Barry yeah. and his new partner Kulak. Tonight, uh, shot attempts twenty-two to seven with uh, Barry on the ice, twenty to seven with Kulak, and they there was some nice early looked like chemistry to me in terms of the way they they shuttled the puck between themselves and got it to the open guy. And once he had it, yeah, Kulak, I like Kulak. What I saw of him tonight, nice mobile I, and seemed sure-handed with the puck. You know, I did too, Bruce. I thought he he moved the puck very well, and um, obviously they, he didn't make any mistakes either. On a mm-hmm. on a grade A uh, grade A chances against so good for him, um, Bruce. Let's move on to our bad things. I guess I'll go first because we're just going to cover both goals. Ah, <sighs> uh, <laughs> the owners didn't do a lot wrong except on these goals, honestly. But they were both kind of stinkers, if we're completely honest. And the, and the first one starts with Hyman losing the puck in the offensive end, a turnover, and, and it's. I don't know how sloppy that was, but the, the defensive coverage from then on was just sloppy as heck. And it's from three players who are good defenders, Dreisaitl, Nurse, and, and CeCe. These are all good players. But they they just are too, there's way too much gap as the San Jose players are coming into the zone. And I don't, and I don't remember them coming in a million miles an hour either. There didn't have to be. They just had all kinds of time and space to make the play. I mean, CeCe's way off his man. Dreisaitl's kind of wandering, and he's not really covering anybody or covering the passing lane. And then, you know, Nurse was probably the least culpable, but he he does allow the cross-ice uh, dart uh, pass. You know, that's the hardest play to stop. He's the least culpable of the three. And then Mike Smith and Nett, I don't know what, what happened there. He ends up, what should happen, I think, well, what happens is he overreacts to the first pass over um, uh, 
to the wing and there's a good chance to shoot the puck there and he comes flying over there, but then he kind of loses it. And when the puck goes the other back, the other direction, he all he can flop on his belly feet first back in the other direction. So instead of pushing off and maybe trying to make a, a blocker save, like a dramatic blocker save, there was a possibility you could have stopped that shot because Carlson didn't, whoever shot it, I don't remember who shot it. Um, whoever shot that puck, had to stop it first. He didn't get off a one-timer. So there was a possibility there could have been a save there, but but Smith was kind of lying on his belly and Nurse was down on his knees. And it was it was just a bad moment for all of, all of those players. He did the two-pad stack trying to cross, pa, uh, stop the pass across, you know, the cross-seam pass, but uh, uh-huh. it went, he didn't come that close to it. And then he was lying on the side on the ice with the puck on the other side and a completely open net for Carlson. I mean, Smith on that one. I mean, that was a, that was a, I said to you in our comments, probably cruelly, that that was a fairly rent a goalie <laughs> kind of sequence. Smith had his good moments in this game. He made some fine saves. He had three giveaways. He took a penalty for punching a guy and he had a fairly high event game. But uh, on that one goal, he, uh, uh, he didn't look good. Uh, on the other one, he had no chance. But that that one was, uh, you know, the turnover by Hyman there. That was the play where they broke out of their end, and Hyman had Drysaddle breaking on the far wing. Oh break. God! And yeah. he couldn't get the puck off the ice, and Carlson picked it off in the neutral zone. All of a sudden, Edmonton instead of having a Drysaddle breakaway, pucks coming the other way, and then they just couldn't get uh, re recombobulated. <laughs> Recombobulated. They they couldn't get combobulated. It's, we were trying yeah. to figure. My wife and I were trying to figure that out the other day. If combobulated is a word, gruntled is a word, but I'm not sure combobulated is. Um, yeah, Eric Carlson actually looked like yeah. Eric Carlson that game. Um, and he's got 31 points uh, in 41 games, so maybe maybe he's back a little bit. He's been struggling with injuries now for years, though. Uh, okay, Bruce, what's your bad thing? Well, I got to go with that second goal, and uh, the frustrating part there was that the Oilers had just scored to make it three to one. It looked like okay, that that goal, the kind of low event uh, uh, way this game is going, they should be able to tamp it down from here. And it was what 30, 31 seconds or something, and San Jose immediately pulled back to three to two, and it was again a little bit of sloppy defending from. Uh, uh, well, I thought Ryan McLeod made two critical mistakes on the play. First of all, the puck squirted out to him. Leon kind of deflected a, a, a pass to a place where McLeod could get it. And it was right in front of him, and he just didn't respond to it. And he kind of backed away from the puck. And San Jose jumped on it. And then McLeod just stood out at the top of the faceoff circle, not really covering anybody or doing anything. And it wound up that he was the closest guy to the to uh, the shooter. And by the time he recognized the shooter and tried to close, it was too late. Uh, so McLeod, uh, but Dreisaitl also got kind of discombobulated in the uh, in the corner there. And, and he was beaten fairly easily on uh, uh, along the way. Uh, after he'd first made a you know, defensive play that might have been cleared by McLeod. And then again, it went uh, uh, through Nurse, as I recall, one point along the way. Yeah, the pass out, the the, the low high pass went right, right. through Nurse, and Drysaddle had been beat in the corner by then. And 
Yeah, and then the hurdle just just buried it right off the crossbar and in. That was uh, no blameage of the goalie on that one. That was a, no. a rocket of a shot. Yeah. And so right away it's three to two, and Jay Woodcroft responded by uh, demoting Ryan McLeod from the second line to the fourth. After yep. that, replacing him with Warren Fogel, and Warren Fogel responded with uh, some good shifts. Uh, a couple of very dangerous chances on goal and a, and a hard forecheck that forced a bad mistake, a puck over glass that actually resulted in the flinching goal. So he got a lot done in his few minutes. So we'll see uh, how those how those lines are Saturday in Calgary. But I, for one, right now, will guess Fogel will be playing with Drysaddle and uh, Hyman on Saturday. Yeah, they're probably going to be reluctant to break up to promote Puliyarvi to the um, now that he's had such a good game yeah. there. Like, why would you break that up? Yeah. So you're right. Probably Fogel will be there with uh, Hyman and Drysital, and uh, you're sure not breaking up that top line, even though they, you know, they weren't particularly clicking tonight. Um, uh, although Yamamoto and Kane both scored, right? <laughs> but uh, they did. Yeah, they it's on did. the po- on the second power play unit on a nice play by Ryan McLeod. Let's go there. You know, like it wasn't it wasn't just a a bad night. That was a you know nice headman pass from Keith and McLeod burst in and the puck got checked off of his stick onto Yamamoto's and he went in and finished the job. Yeah, so he's uh, he's hot. Another one goal, one assist game for Yamamoto. I think he's had five games of one and one in his last eight. So. He's on a heater, Bruce. Yeah, is he ever on a heater? It's nice to see yeah. 18 goals on the season, and he's just just climbing. But, but as as for Pugliari, no, I would not touch that third line on Saturday uh, come hell or high water. <clears throat> I know there's a couple of uh, Pugliari fans. In fact, I know there's a lot of Pugliari fans who watch this podcast, but I know a couple of them are pretty distressed that he got moved down to the third line. But you know what? With the way the orders were tonight, Instead of having a top six, they had a top nine because that third line was was very strong and able able to uh, win the day against, you know, most often your third line is going to play, play their third line and as or more importantly, their third defense pair. And you know, you get yeah. skilled guys like, like uh, well, all three really, Broussard, Nuge, and, and, uh, and Yessa. And they're going to do some damage, and they did some serious damage tonight from from that third line position. So don't mess with it. I say that 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 so uh, when you have players that good on your third line, it's uh, it's a position of strength. Teams that go far in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Bruce. Like I'm talking into the um, conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals. They have three lines. You need good teams have three lines that can score. They can really play hockey. And then a fourth line that's not that bad either. And the orders now have three good lines. If they can stay healthy, they've got three good lines. It's a, and it's astonishing. Like, we haven't seen this in forever in Edmonton. Uh, I guess you could argue we saw it in the 2006 playoff run. Um, but not since then. And um, and not between, between 1992 and 2006, I don't think we saw it. I think we might have that was the last time we would have saw, seen it in the in the in the the better you know the great era of the Oilers, so it's it's been a long time, uh, with maybe one possible exception where the Oilers have lacked this kind of 
offensive depth and scoring depth, but they now have it. And it's really, to me, I, I find it really exciting. Mm-hmm. I've, I have been generally with maybe one or two days exception bullish on this team all year long thinking they can win the Stanley Cup. And I, and I really think that. I still think that, Bruce. And I know you're smiling. I think it. That would make I, me smile a lot. I think it. I think it, this, is a, this is a really good hockey team. And they've got to get some goaltending. But they, other than, and they, you know, the defense, the defensive players have got to come around, but they, their defensive players are coming around. I mean, I, I wrote about Nurse's defensive slump. He, he has been slumping. You know, he's had a, he's had a little bit of a rough ride in just, you know, other, his whole year has been pretty good overall. But anyway, this, this defensive group, these guys can really move the puck and these forwards can really attack. And I think they have the makings of this fantastic offensive hockey team. They can take you through the playoffs. And um, that's what I am expecting to see at this point. Bruce, uh, a few weeks ago, actually, I talked about that the Oilers hadn't yet found a a line that they can ride um, through the rest of the season. And I I said I was, I I thought that they were going to find that because they have the combination of players that will create that kind of chemistry on a line. And I think we're finally seeing it. And my number tonight is three. It right. revolves around um, that line, and I'm talking about, of course, Kane, McDavid, and Yamamoto, which is one of the hottest lines in the NHL right now. And three, the reason I picked three is for the last three seasons, there has been one player who has been on the Oilers' top producing line each year, and that player is Kari Yamamoto. So in 29-20, he was on the dynamite line with Nugent Hopkins and Drysaddle. They had a goals for percentage of 78%. 28 goals for and eight against. Last year, the top line, they didn't play together very much, just 135 minutes at even strength. The top line was Drysaddle, McDavid, and, and Yamamoto. They were out for 12 goals for and two goals against at even strength. 86% goals for percentage for that line. This year, the top line so far, Yamamoto, McDavid, and Kane, 10 goals for, four against, uh, 71% goals for percentage. So, Kyler Yamamoto, like every Oilers player, has his detractors. But we have called him a glue player. And I think this is proof of that. This is actual, this is, you know, if I was to pull out a statistical argument, this is the proof. He is a smart defensive hockey player. He wins pucks, he passes the puck well, and he can make plays around the net. Just now he's finishing it with a little bit more oomph and strength than we've seen in the past, which is a really welcome um, sign from him. But he he has a very complete game, uh, does Kadari Yamamoto. And he lifts, he has this ability to lift up and fit in with really great players, and he's doing it again. Well, all I know is in the last eight games, uh, the trio of uh, McDavid, Kane, and Yamamoto combined to score 20 goals. David has six, Kane has seven, Yamamoto has seven. Two, three empty netters in there. Uh, some power play goals, no doubt. But, I mean, when you're scoring that much, you expect to get goals in all situations, and that's uh, that's uh, what they're doing. Also note that in four of those eight games, the Orders have had 40 or more shots. Wow. And, you know, that's uh, 41 in this game tonight. And, you know, so they're not just controlling the puck, but they're actually doing something with it, taking to the net, getting getting their chances and, you know, popping some goals. 
and they have uh, you know another another five spot on the board tonight and that uh, that uh, that trio has been red hot but I, I agree with you that Yamamoto is a big part of it he's he's really active on the pucks shaking pucks free and making little skill plays to get them to, to guys you know we, we all wish he had a, a laser of a shot uh, but he's finding a way to get into the dirty areas, as they call them, and uh, and pop the puck home. And he did that again tonight. So, gotta like it. What's your number, Bruce? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with the number 16. And this is a uh, sweater number assigned to Oilers newcomer Derek Broussard. And. Uh, that was the number worn all year by Tyler Benson that got uh, promoted to the orders this year, played most of the year with the team. He'd, he'd always worn sort of a training camp number 49 in his prior years. And this year they said, pick your number, and he chose a he chose his own number. And he got sent down a couple of weeks ago, uh, but he's still in the organization. He got two assists for uh, uh, Bakersfield last night in their win, 4-2 to win uh, over Colorado. Uh and a new guy came into the team, he's never played for the team before, Derek Broussard, and they gave him Tyler Benson's number, and I don't understand it. I just don't think it's a good message at all to the kid. It's like, oh, you're gone and forgotten. We even gave your sweater to somebody else. You're out of here. And I don't see what it accomplishes, David. I mean, this is not Claude Giroux coming into a new team where, you know, he's born number 28 his whole career and... You know, he might have to buy somebody a steak dinner to get his number back or something. Nothing like that. Derek Broussard in his career has worn numbers 16, 19, 25, 18, and 10. He's played on nine, now 10 different teams. And this is the fourth one that he's worn number 16, so obviously that's one number he likes. But he's hardly married to it. He's worn five different numbers. So happens that all five numbers have been in use by the orders this year. And I say... There's probably 50 numbers that aren't assigned to anyone, you know, that are just sitting there. Take 61, man. Take 26. Uh, you know, there's 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 choices to be had. And no disrespect to Derek Broussard, and he probably doesn't even know what was going on there. I just think from an organizational standpoint, that's that's a uh, a little bit of a poor message to the kid that uh, that they sent down and. Uh, uh, just, just an unforced error. Uh, you know, it's just yeah. a psychological thing. I mean, if you're Tyler Benson down there in Bakersfield, seeing your number playing for the Oilers tonight, how's that? Is that going you know, to motivate you somehow, or is it going to? Yeah. You know, Bruce, usually I'm kind of a shake it off, yep. suck it up, buttercup kind of guy. Yeah, I understand. And but, but, this I really agree with you. I really think you have a point here. I think this was a big mistake. It was, it was, they didn't have to, it was an unforced error, right? You didn't have to do this. It's, he, he, for all we know, Benson will be back with the team this year. There could be a couple injuries and he could be back. Now, he, he got a fair shot, Tutter Benson. He Mm -hmm. played well. Excuse me. He didn't play well. He got lots of ice time and he didn't play well. He didn't play well enough to stick. I don't think, I think that's, that's not a controversial statement. I think that's that's the consensus view of his play this year. And nonetheless, why do that? I mean, who does that? Just don't do it. Just 
he's on the team this year. It's like if they gave away Slater Kukuk's number 20 or or um, Nima Linen's number or, you know, anyone who's been with the, if 86, if they gave, if they gave uh, Brett Kulak 86, you'd think, what? Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, what? I agree, yeah. Bruce. This is not, this is, players take their numbers personally. This is That's a big right. deal. So maybe this is a big number for Broussard. Maybe he really wanted it. Maybe he called, maybe they called Benson and cleared it. So this is the one thing we don't know. Maybe they said, maybe. hey, maybe Broussard really wants this. Maybe he paid him money. Like I've heard players actually pay money to other players to get the number that they want, right? Like that's happened. So yes. maybe there's something behind the scenes that we don't know. Hey, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that's the case because otherwise I don't like this. I'm, I'm I, with you. I, I doubt it because this the number came out while Broussard was still en route to Edmonton. The team was flying from Denver to Dallas. Benson was off in Bakersfield. I mean, it's not like Broussard had the chance to take Benson out for a steak dinner and say, I really you like that number. You're probably not going to be using it anymore this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, like I say, it's not like he's Claude Giroux or some guy that's completely associated his whole career with one number that really wants. Sometimes you do hear that story. Yeah. And he comes in and somebody graciously steps aside. But there's usually a conversation that the 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 uh, uh, one guy might be wearing a new Rolex. You know, you never know exactly what's uh, what's going on there. I just, I just thought it was a little bit of bad form and, and uh, uh, just um, uh, uh, a little bit of disrespect, honestly, to to a young player. You know, whatever you, criticism you can say about Tyler Benson, you cannot say he didn't play his ass off and give everything that he had while he was here, uh, which he did all of that. It just didn't click. But don't throw him out in the trash. Yeah. Never would have happened if Ted Lasso was the coach, Bruce. <laughs> all right. Let's leave it there. We got a game coming up when? Saturday, Saturday night. Hockey Night in Canada at Calgary Flames. So that'll be... Yeah. 8 p.m.? 8 p.m. Late slot. All right. Hockey Night in Canada. Okay. All righty, man. Well, I'll join you then. Yeah, I'll join bet. you then. And the Oilers are going to win that game. All right. I don't Bruce. mind the chances in Calgary right now. Yeah. Healthy, healthy team. It's so nice to have a healthy team, isn't it? Yeah. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.